Welcome back to the David Pakman Show. I am David Pakman. If there were a cloning experiment that went terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more today about Heather McDonald and the right-wing obsession with race and racism. And not the, the, the way that they project on the left about being, oh, you're upset, everything's about race, everything's about race in the way that they want to make white Christian nationalism the order of the day for the country. And a lot of people push back when I say that, when I say that the Republican Party is the largest white supremacy organization on the planet. I stand behind it. Yesterday, Charlie Kirk had a woman named Heather McDonald on his show. And I want to get you a little acquainted with this regular Fox News guest, Heather McDonald a woman who is a tireless defender of police, no matter what they do, no matter what news comes out, no matter what video is made public, tireless defender of police. These are some headlines uh, Media Matters put together from her various, uh, just a few, by the way, not, not all of them, just a, a smattering of headlines of quotes from her appearances with Tucker Carlson, the host of Fox News's Evening White Supremacy Fireside Chat. Teaching diversity curriculum uh, in schools will destroy any possibility of further civilizational advance. We should not be bringing more black children into this country if Democrats think America is racist. Police are forced to arrest black men at higher rates quote, by the facts of the crime. And finally, good law-abiding blacks aren't calling for the abolishment of police. Leave it to um, aging white lady to tell you what good law-abiding blacks are doing. Well, she was on with Charlie Kirk, the twitchy Zeppelin-headed freak over at Turning Points USA, another verging on very dangerous character. And they were having a conversation about policing. You know, after the release of the beating of Tyree Nichols, it is now on the lips of every conservative in the country, uh, either making excuses for or outright denying that there was a problem with it. And Charlie Kirk makes an assertion that is, is and has been and will continue to be a legitimate white supremacist talking point. Many of you know that my, my wife, my co-host, and my partner in content creation, Brittany Page, was raised in a virulent white supremacist household. We talk all the time about this normalization of white supremacy and white nationalism in the country. Things that she grew up with only whispered about in private are now on the public agenda. They are now on the docket for Republicans to get advanced as policy in the United States. And because of that, it has normalized clips like you're getting ready to see of Charlie Kirk. Watch this. The, for years I've been told by activists that blacks commit, they don't commit more crimes, but the reason they might and the statistics is because there's more police in their neighborhood. It's the exact opposite of a way to view it. There's more police in your neighborhoods because blacks commit more crimes, period. It's like, you know, we always hear about, well, riots are caused by the police showing up in riot gear, and that causes everybody to riot. No, it's, it, it's as you say, it's the exact opposite causality. The reason the police are there in riot gear is you guys are rioting. 
if you don't want the police in riot gear, how's about you stay home and or or protest peacefully and don't start throwing Molotov cocktails at police precincts? Yep. Uh, yep. He says smugly. One, Charlie, just a, a little bit of advice. Maybe get a bigger shirt collar. I, I know you only have like a 14 and a half inch neck, but that collar is doing a lot of work to stay buttoned. Neither here nor there, though. <laughs> the assertion that blacks commit more crime. There's more police in your neighborhood because blacks commit more crime is just virulently racist, openly racist. And then the clip continues because then they just, they're breaking their own arms, patting themselves on the back about all of the contributions that Western culture has provided and denigrating third world countries as having done nothing for the world. It's all, again, part and parcel, pattern and practice, standard operating procedure for virulent, sinister white supremacists. Watch this. You have heads of art museums saying the Western tradition, 5,000 years of art is racist because there weren't black sculptors in fifth century BC Athens. Well, there were no blacks in fifth century BC Athens, but they're willing to tell people, they're willing to tell young people coming to museums for the first time, see this collection through the lens of racial exclusion, which is poison. Yes. Classical music heads are also saying, oh, the reason that there were no black composers in, in 15th century Flanders is racism. No, the demographically, Europe was white until the 20th century. So that is heartbreaking. But yes, up to a point, you're right, that the, the, the elite white perpetrators of racial preferences, when it comes to their own immediate lives, do expect that merit will, will triumph. On the other hand, for their own institutions, corporations are uh, mandating that managers get promoted yep. based on their own hiring of blacks and promotion of blacks and are setting just preposterous uh, hiring standards that can't possibly be met given the academic skills gap. I mean, the it, you, it doesn't matter what objective. 10 seconds. Sorry, we, sorry, Heather, we're up against a break, but we're going to have to have you back and to just close the point. Show me anything from the third world that is as beautiful as Beethoven's fifth. You can't. Some things are more beautiful than others. Heather, thank you so much. Some things are more beautiful than others. Show me something from the third world that's more beautiful than Beethoven's fifth. You can't. He proclaims arrogantly. This is white privilege run amok. This is two people glad-handing one another while trafficking in white supremacy. And this is mainstream republicanism, like it's never been before. Obviously, racism has been a creeper in Republican politics for decades. We witnessed it with the with the, the Southern strategy and how, how, how it gained a foothold when Reagan announced his campaign. A Californian announced his run for presidency in the 80s in Mississippi. And now it's taken a foothold. It's gross.
There's a name that you should become more familiar with as we move on in this Republican majority in the House of Representatives, and that is James Comer, Republican of Kentucky. He is the chair of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee. An important spot, an important uh, committee assignment, especially for a chairman. He has colleagues who will join him valiantly in their fight to provide oversight in the Congress. Paul Gosar, avowed white nationalist. Lauren Boebert, high school dropout, multi-time fail, uh, failure at the GRE, or excuse me, the GED. Thinking of grad school stuff. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, prolific conspiracy theorist. QAnon adherent. They're also there with him. And James Comer, the reason I'm saying you're going to know his name more, is because he's going to be making the rounds. The press is going to be asking him questions about what his agenda is. What do you plan to do as chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee? And uh, you, I hope, will not be surprised to know that he even categorizes himself as just an average guy with average ability at best, he says. Watch this, and then we'll play some other clips, keeping this particular clip in mind as we move forward. And I'm just an average guy with average ability at best that's fed up with the process in Washington, D.C. I'm fed up with the public corruption. I'm fed up with the excessive spending, and I want to do something about it. And that's, that's my goal. Now, look, this could be true. He could be an average guy with average, average abilities at best. And some people might be happy with that. Some people may think, oh, we need more of a citizen's representative uh, segment of our country. It should be a citizen government. And I believe that to be true. But there's a certain skill set and intellect level that you should, um, just by virtue of qualification, not by some constitutional standard of whether or not you're able to run for office, but you should be adept at certain things. You shouldn't be just an average guy with average ability at best, especially when you're the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee wrangling the likes of Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar. Part of their, 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 their efforts in that committee will be investigating, obviously by the name of the committee, government oversight. And he vows not to be uh, uh, investigating Donald Trump, but, and the reason he gives flies in the face of the reason that he's actually going to be investigating Joe Biden. It all doesn't make any sense. I don't expect anybody to expect it to make sense coming from James Comer, Republican of Kentucky. Watch this. With respect to Trump, you know, a lot of the media, I, I went on, I love Pam Brown and our, our friends. She's from Kentucky. I went on CNN last night, her last night of that show. Uh, she says, well, you know, you, why aren't you investigating Trump's mishandling of documents? Well, there's a special counsel. There's a special counsel, and I'm confident that special counsel is looking at everything. On Trump. And Trump's been investigating for with, six with years. Biden documents, although it sounds like you are yeah. planning on asking the national. So you are asking questions about Trump's documents. What was in them? How they got there? I, I, I won't, I, I'm going to try to explain this as best I can. We're investigating the Biden family for influence peddling. 
We learn that they have classified documents in multiple locations. We are concerned, is that part of the influence penalty? I don't know. Just an average guy with average ability at best. He can't even keep his nonsense straight. He's not, you heard him, not investigating Donald Trump because there's been assigned a special counsel. But he is investigating Biden for the thing he's not investigating Trump for, even though there's also been a special counsel appointed in the Biden case. And then he's like, well, let me pause here and try to gather my thoughts. Uh, Let me uh, try to explain this as best I can now that I got myself in this pickle. I'm just an average guy with average ability and intellect at best. Emily, I believe that was what her name was, questioning him there. And then when she presses him a little bit further about other things that maybe he should be investigating, like what took place in Memphis with Tyree Nichols, he just says, well, it hasn't really crossed my mind. I haven't even thought about that. Because Joe Biden, it's a five-alarm fire because Joe Biden has volunteered that they found classified information. He wasn't hoarding it. He didn't abscond with it. As soon as they found out, they, they, they spilled the beans on themselves. But that needs investigated. Not rampant, systemic police abuse of American citizens. Unarmed American citizens. Watch this stupid, stupid moment. I encourage Jim to work with me on, on the stuff that we're looking into and in oversight. I stay out of his business in judiciary. Okay, so you don't think it's necessarily something you should be looking I, into? I haven't even thought about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I was asked about it. It's a terrible thing. Uh, certainly, there are bad apples in, in every profession, bad politicians, bad police officers, uh, and they need to be held accountable. So I'm, I'm confident those police officers are going to be held accountable. He's confident they're going to be held accountable, but not by him, not by Congress, not by the chairman of a very powerful committee with with so much in its purview. There's bad apples everywhere. Look, I'm just an average guy with with sub-average abilities, y'all. Why would I look at that? Bad apples. What horrible luck for Tyree Nichols that every single armed agent of the state that responded to, to, to uh, address him under the authority and the color of law, what bad luck that every single one of those cops happened to be one of the bad apples. Or is it more likely that the, the epidemic of bad appledom in policing in America is far more advanced than many people would like to believe. And this is a member of Congress who could do something about it, but instead, he's just an average guy with an average skill set. Speaking of average skill sets, Molly Hemingway <laughs> and Harris Faulkner. At Fox News, Harris Faulkner, not part of the uh, the the infotainment, the entertainment side of Fox News, but one of their straight reporters. 
Recently, Brian Cranston, I know this is going to seem out of, out of the blue here, but this is what this is about. Brian Cranston recently appeared on Bill Maher's podcast. I can't remember the name of it. Um, random things or dumb things or bigoted things or <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the name. But in it, they started talking about CRT because Bill Maher is now a useful idiot or maybe a, a willing participant in moral panic related to critical race theory. And the, the conversation started in and, and Brian Cranston said he thinks that critical race theory should be taught to children. It would be beneficial where Bill Maher took him to task for that or disagreed at the very least. And this conversation between Molly Hemingway, a right-wing provocateur, and Harris Faulkner picks up there, but I wanted to give you the, the background and the context of this clip. Watch this. After Crankson said it ought to be taught in schools. Let's pause there and just go right back to Molly if we could to get your reaction. Yeah, well, Bill Maher is, and Brian Cranston had this discussion on a podcast where Cranston says that we have not done enough to deal with our history and not enough is being taught. I think Brian Cranston should learn his own history, such as about the Civil War, which was the bloodiest war that we went through, um, all that has been done to deal with the you know original sin, as people say, of American slavery. And we need more history, not the corrupted, false sort of propaganda history that is being pushed by mm. left-wing actors activists that teaches hatred of the country. Well, you and I say this a lot. We need more information in general on everything and then let people decide what, you know, from what, everything they learn, how they live their own lives. I, I've always argued the beginning of freedom is with as much information as a journalist. We both agree to this as you can possibly have so you can make the best decisions. Molly Hemingway, a pleasure to have you in focus Thank today. You. Thank you. This should be taught at a graduate level in, a, in a, a course on hypocrisy. One, I hope that you noted the little chuckle there as Molly Hemingway referred to slavery as our original sin. You know, our <laughs> original sin, chuckle, chuckle, nudge, nudge, joke, joke. It was indeed the original sin of this country the enslavement of millions of human beings for profit's sake. To, to make rich white men in this country richer, not whiter, that's not possible, but certainly richer. And for them to laugh it off is disgusting. But this entire thing about more, we need more history taught, not, but not the woke history, not CRT history. We can't teach about Jim Crow. We can't teach about redlining. We can't teach about slavery or convict leasing or, or just the, the, the voter suppression and oppression of blacks over the course of the entirety of white man's existence on this continent. No, 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 that's CRT, that's dangerous. But they do, they say, oh, more. Harris Faulkner argues for as much information as possible, which is in direct contravention and contradiction of, of the point that they're trying to say that not that history, not the history that causes people to hate America. Listen, 
I love my country, and because I love my country, I criticize my country. I served for years in the United States Marine Corps because of some level of patriotism, some love of country. So critic, being critical of one's country, it's like being critical of your family, your brother, your mother, your father, your cousin, your uncle. It's not because you hate them. If you have a best friend that does something that's a little shitty, and you criticize them, you don't hate them. If you look back on past relationships, I'm dumbing this down for an audience that doesn't need it, but come on. Molly Hemingway, Harris Faulkner, participants in the whitewashing of the, the stashing away in a cupboard the parts of American history that they don't like, that make them uncomfortable. They're not able to exist in, in the space that is, that is uncomfortable for them. And we need to, as a society, create that space for our children when we teach them so they can have two conflicting points and, and deal with it. Yes, you can love your country while also acknowledging the wrongs that we've committed in the past, the sins against our fellow man. Because if we don't and we're unable to, we're far more likely to create those same mistakes and commit those same sins. Get it together, Fox News. Once again, I am Jesse Dollimore. I host the Dollimore Daily on YouTube. I host a podcast called I Doubt It. And uh, you can follow me on social media, at Dollimore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'd love to see you there. One of our sponsors is Curiosity Stream, the best place to find and watch documentaries on politics, history, science, technology, nature, you name it, they have it. Curiosity Stream has a deeper collection of documentaries than any other streaming service. They add new titles every week, including exclusive award winning films and shows you can't watch anywhere else. I just watched Ancient Engineering, fascinating insights into how stuff was built before modern technology and the industrial revolution. You can watch Curiosity Stream on all of your devices, phone, desktop, game console, smart TV. I'm always finding great documentaries on Curiosity Stream that I can't find on any other platforms. It's really the only place to go for documentaries. And they have a special deal for my audience. You can get Curiosity Stream for 25% off. Just go to curiositystream.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's curiosity com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman to get a subscription for 25% off. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. 
You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. Every day we see more and more stories about what tech companies and ISPs are doing with your data. Facebook just settled a huge lawsuit alleging they gave millions of users data to a company helping the Trump campaign. Everyone should be using a VPN every time they connect to the Internet. No excuses. A VPN hides your IP address. It can keep your data private from these companies and even from hackers. That's why I reached out to Private Internet Access about being our sponsor. Private Internet Access is the only VPN that has proven in court multiple times they don't log your browsing history. Their no log practices are also independently audited by Deloitte. No other VPN takes your privacy this seriously. Lightning fast for downloads, streaming content only available in other countries works as well, works with all major streaming platforms with one account. You can use it on up to 10 devices and they have a 30 day money back guarantee and their 24 seven support is amazing. Go to piavpncom slash David to get 83% off, that's only 203 a month, and you'll get four months free. The link is in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the program. I am Jesse Dollimore sitting in for David Backman while he is away. I saw this clip on Twitter and I thought I would share it with you. It, um, it got me to thinking, and this might be the only time in the history of all time that something that Lauren Boebert said gave me pause and made me think. <laughs> She's on the program and they're asking her, hey, are, so are you going to endorse Donald Trump for president, uh, his run in 2024? And uh, we're gonna play her answer, but it sparked in me a curiousness uh, to get to the bottom of who actually has come out and publicly endorsed Donald Trump. First, we'll get to the we'll get to the clip of Lauren Boebert, and then we'll uh, we'll get to the list. Here we go. Um, are you officially endorsing former President Trump for president in 2024? I don't think I haven't endorsed President Trump. Of course, I support him uh, for for being um, our next president. Um, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic um, uh, race. I can't wait until he actually starts campaigning. And of course, I endorse President okay. Trump. A lot of ums there. You would think that the media acumen of these individuals who are now who've now been in Congress for for a full term, you think they'd get it together. But that is just not the case. So let's look at this particular list of uh, people who have endorsed ex-president Donald Trump. Um, as I like to say, when I turned 40, about 15 minutes after turning 40, my eyes decided, decided not to work. So here's a list. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's quite long. If you're watching uh, on video, you can, you'll see it on screen here. But this is the, there's, it's broken up by federal officials, U.S. senators, U.S. representatives, governors, state executive officials, state legislators, uh, local and county officials, international politicians, party officials, and uh, individuals, <clears throat> and then organizations. 
So here's federal officials, which I'll just, spoiler alert, most of these people are people who worked for Donald Trump in the White House. They're not federal officials. There is one though of note, and that's Jeffrey Lord, who was the White House Associate Political Director from 1987 to 1988. He used to work for CNN. Uh, he worked in the Reagan administration. He's not really a, he's a political director. He's not a federal official. But we got Michael Flynn. He is a, a notable endorser of Donald Trump. He, um, famously pledged allegiance to QAnon on 4th of July a few years ago. Here's Sebastian Gorka, famous endorser of Donald Trump, very important endorser of Donald Trump. Here he is wearing his FBI shirt, uh, Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. <laughs> very, very important. Uh, Cash Patel, of course, um, insurrectionist. Dan Scavino, a federal official, Donald Trump's former caddy. Uh, and then we go to senators. There's only two of 100 uh, members of the United States Senate. You got Lindsey Graham and you got Tommy Tuberville. Uh, U.S. representatives, it really is a who's who of the insurrection here. Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, uh, Madison Cawthorn, Matt Gates, Paul Gosar, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ronnie Jackson, Jim Jordan, Mary Miller, the praiser of Hitler, and the list goes on and on uh, there, of the same ilk. Wendy Rogers, there's also uh, a theme here of election deniers. International politicians, there's only one on the list. <laughs> it is renowned alpha male, Nick Adams. I mean, listen, uh, what, what hope would Donald Trump have of becoming president of the United States of America, once again, if he didn't have the full-throated support of uh, Nick Adams, the clown account on Twitter? We've got uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., Kimberly, Kimberly Guilfoyle, the girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr., Charlie Kirk, Kerry uh, Lake, Mike Lindell, Randy Quaid, the actor, Roger Stone, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Laura Trump, Melania Trump, no Ivanka Trump, though, <laughs> John Voight and Lynn Wood, the conspiracy theorist uh, extraordinaire this doesn't bode well for Donald Trump. The, the campaign style of intimidation that has worked in the past is starting to diminish. He doesn't have the sway that he once had. He certainly still does, and there is a fear element. That's why some people are gonna, are gonna wait till the last minute and see where the wind blows before they make a decision. But uh, it's not looking good for Donnie Boy relative to endorsements. And uh, to be honest, it's going to be pretty exciting. I say that with a little tension in my, my voice and mind because Ron DeSantis, as much as, as he is popular in Florida, uh, is a quite the uncharismatic character. And on a national stage, he's going to wither on the vine. But we are, we are excited about 2024 to see what takes place and to cover it the whole way. In the news lately, you've obviously been hearing a lot about Tyree Nichols and police brutality. If you've watched the tape, 
the police recordings, the, the body cam recordings that have been re- released, um, you know just how disgusting and heart-wrenching the footage was. And there's been kind of two takes in the, con- in the, in the conservative media sphere. One is that uh, it was terrible what took place. Uh, and then there's the other, which is, this wouldn't have happened if he'd only complied. Those cops did nothing wrong. And we're gonna play a little bit of both here. Jesse Waters, apparent expert on chokeholds, oddly enough, uh, had this to say on Fox News. Banning chokeholds, dealing with uh, no warrant uh, searches, uh, dealing with accreditation of police departments. It's necessary that we do all these things, but not sufficient. Typical Washington politician. The Memphis police didn't use a single chokehold that entire time, but Democrats want to ban them. A chokehold done properly would have subdued Tyree and had him handcuffed. One, there were many cops on top of, literally on top of, the 140-pound Tyree Nichols. Large men of giant physical stature couldn't get him under control. Is that what you're saying, Jesse Waters? And you know, or maybe you don't because you're a dum-dum, but you know as well as the rest of us that Senator Durbin from Illinois was not talking about legislation based on this specific case. He's talking about chokeholds and their misuse in cases all across the country, year after year after year after year. It's not disingenuous to say there's all of these elements in all of these cases that we need to look at from a legislative standpoint, and maybe that's one of the things we need to curb. If it didn't work in this particular case or it wouldn't have affected this particular case, isn't the point, but it doesn't matter to Fox News. Now, let's jump over to Newsmax, where Grant Stitchfield is making the other case, which is if Tyree Nichols had just complied and done what his killer said to do, he wouldn't have been killed. But here are some of the facts that people aren't talking about. This all could have been avoided with one simple move. Tyree Nichols could have complied from the moment he was pulled out of that car. If you watch this interaction, He never really complies until the very end. He doesn't comply until the very end, dum-dum Grant Stenchfield says. When was he to comply, Grant? Was it when they stood him up and punched him in the face? Is it when they had him pinned to the ground and got running starts to kick him in the head? Is that when he should have complied, Grant Stenchfield? It has been said, I didn't originate it, but it's been said that cruelty is the point for conservative politics, in conservative politics. Whether it be owning the libs or whatever, cruelty is the point. That's how you get the the, the passions inflamed in MAGA world. And that's exactly what this is. It's not just pathetic excuse making for uh, jackbooted armed agents of the state who uh, summarily executed an unarmed citizen on the streets, uh, on the suburban streets of, of Memphis. 
it's all, listen, if we do not get a handle on the rhetoric, if we do not get a handle on the other side of the aisle and their carelessness and their uh, lack of concern for humanity, we're going to be a more bifurcated nation than we have ever been when it is sport for them to act as cruel as possible, there's no conversation to be had. Anyway, I'd love to know what you think about all of this. We could mix it up in the comments. Uh, David's got a, a voicemail line. This should be a conversation that continues uh, in the following weeks. I am Jesse Dollimore. I'd love to have you subscribe to my YouTube channel. If I am your flavor of political commentator, you can go over and uh, subscribe to the Dollimore Daily. I have a podcast called I Doubt It Podcast, or you can um, follow me on social media at Dollimore on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Thanks a lot. Let's talk about plastic. 100 billion plastic bags are used and thrown away each year. Huge contributor to plastic waste. You might think there's no way around it. Think again. Our sponsor, Hold On Bags, makes trash bags and zip seal kitchen bags that are heavy duty, plant based and non-toxic. So they break down in weeks rather than decades and they don't fill up our landfills or pollute our oceans. Hold On Zip Seal kitchen bags come in sandwich or gallon sizes for all of your needs. And because they are plant based, Hold On trash bags and their Zip Seal kitchen bags are 100% home compostable. So, what I do is I put my food garbage in a Hold On bag, throw the whole thing into the compost pile. It's fantastic. But even for everyday garbage I'm putting in the dumpster, there is something really simple and easy I can do to make a difference just to save plastic, to shop plant based bags and replace single use plastics all over your home. Go to holdonbags.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman for 20 percent off. That's H-O-L-D-O-N bags dot com slash Pacman code Pacman for 20 percent off the info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Mosh. Whether you're at the gym, on the go, between meals, Mosh protein bars are the smart snack to keep your body and brain fueled. There's six delicious flavors like blueberry almond crunch, peanut butter chocolate crunch, cookie dough crunch. Each Mosh bar comes packed with 12 grams of protein six grams of fiber, but also important nutrients like vitamin B, vitamin D, omega threes, and only one gram of sugar and 160 calories. I've tried tons of different protein bars. Really, you can't beat the taste and the texture of mosh. I love these. My favorite is the chocolate crunch. Simple, satisfying. Now that I'm back in the gym, I'll snack on one of these after a workout. Mosh is also a mission driven company with a portion of all proceeds donated to support women's brain health research through the women's Alzheimer's movement at Cleveland Clinic. Mosh is giving my audience 20 percent off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack. Go to moshlife.com slash Pacman. That's M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash Pacman. For 20% off and free shipping, the link is in the podcast notes.
Welcome back to the show. I am Jesse Dollimore, standing in, sitting in, actually, as you can see, sitting in for David Pakman while he is away. Listen, over the course of the, uh, of the, the first few days of the year, when Congress was coming in and the new majority of Republicans took over, we witnessed the absolute debacle that was the election of, of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. The 15 votes that it took, the day upon day upon day of trying to find out who was going to be Speaker of the House of Representatives. And Matt Gates led the effort. Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and Chip Roy, there was a few bad actors, uh, although it is kind of a lesson in the enemy of my enemy can also be my friend, even though they're certainly not friends. It was all chaotic and, you know, kind of entertaining to watch. A lot of people will say that, oh, it was bad for the institution and all of that, and I don't really take part in all of that. The, the, the more disorganized they are, the better it is for the country because the little damage they're able to do. But Matt Gates was one of these ringleaders here in this. And um, Ari Melber, I don't know why, but Ari Melber had Matt Gates on his show to talk about this, and they spent a lot of time, and th this is the reason, listen, I'm not gonna say, uh, be so critical that I would say you shouldn't have him on your show, but what good does it do? You're not gonna get to the truth if you ask him questions. Matt Gates is going to systematically lie to you, right to your face, over and over and over, uh, in classic Matt Gates Republican fashion. So I don't understand it, but, he was there, and we need to talk about it. He was asked specifically about what secret deal was made with McCarthy to actually get him the votes to become speaker. There's obviously a many-page, 40-page document outlining the rules and going forward um, some of the, the, the procedures that will govern this particular Congress. But there was also like a three or four page document that's in secret that no one knows the contents of, of exactly what was negotiated. And this is important for a number of different reasons. One, mainly because of the hypocrisy of the Republican Party and this particular flavor of Republican that acts like transparency in government is what we should be going for, when in actuality, they're not interested in that at all. Watch this appearance by Matt Gates on MSNBC. Well, you mentioned personnel. Uh, that is something that has been reportedly written down and agreed to on the side, a sort of a side deal. Here's Congresswoman Mace on some of that. We don't know what they got or didn't get. We haven't seen it. We don't have any idea what promises were made or what gentlemen's handshakes were made. Let's get into this. Maybe we resolve it once and for all right here on live TV. Uh, you have a 55-page rules package. That part is public under the rules. We could put up reporting on that. Um, we all know about that. Then you have reporting of a secret three-page agreement. Um, reading here from Punchbowl, McCarthy and his allies hashed this out with the Freedom Caucus. It's got the other concessions, including Rules Committee, that's personnel, I believe, what you just referred to, and other things. Um, point blank, Congressman, have you or your staff seen this additional agreement in writing in any form? 
Yeah, it took multiple forms. There was specifically a side-by-side -side sheet where we made offers to McCarthy. There were some offers he accepted, some he modified, some he rejected. Just like you'd see in any negotiation, I could tell you that Thomas Massey, Chip Roy, Ralph Norman being on the Rules Committee would not have happened but for this negotiation. Folks like Representative Clyde, Representative Cloud, two great conservatives on the Appropriations Committee, that's a direct result of these negotiations. Mm -hmm. And this week, we'll be voting on Paul Gosar's legislation to end the COVID national emergency. That was a piece of policy so why, that McCarthy committed I'll to I'll let you continue, floor. but the question where I'm going is, why keep that secret? I'm, what are your questions? I'm happy to tell you any element. I'm actually quite proud of the work product, so it's no secret at all. The product, though, I, I appreciate you here taking questions, but why not release the written product that exists and it's currently been kept secret? And for context, uh, you and others have talked about bringing transparency to government. It's one thing to hear it described and another thing for the government, now the, the House Republican majority, to just release whatever this underlying material is. Here's a little bit of how you and some others have sounded about government secrecy. The American people are tired of the swamp games. We had the audacity to want to know what in the world was going on behind closed doors. Why not commit to releasing the written agreement or working to get it released tonight? Yeah, I have no objection to that. And that's what I'm talking about. There's no answers there. Well, we agreed to some things. Some things were agreed to. Other things were not agreed to. Well, there you go. All transparent. I don't know that it... <laughs> There was any efficacy that nothing was gained from this other than, yeah, he's a liar and we know he's a liar. What we do know, though, is that Kevin McCarthy did make a deal. And as a result of that deal, some of those names that he mentioned and he rattled off very quickly, they're some of the most radical in the Congress. Thomas Massey, him and his family taking pictures with their AR-15s. Uh, Lauren Boebert. On, on very important committees, on the House uh, Oversight and Accountability Committee. Paul Gosar is on that committee. Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene is on that committee. Not only is Marjorie Taylor Greene on that committee, she's on Homeland Security. She's on the COVID Origins Committee. It, all of this should bring alarm bells ringing in your head about what kind of dirty, dark room, back room deals Kevin McCarthy made with these maniacs, Andrew Clyde, the man who said that the insurrection against the United States of America eh, was just like a normal tourist visit. Chip Roy, Ted Cruz's former chief of staff. This is where we are in our Congress. This is our Congress. They act like they want to get so much things done Yet, the, 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 they're, all they're going to be doing is focused on investigations. They're not going to work with the Biden administration to pass anything useful or reasonable for the American people because that's not on the agenda. Owning the libs is on the agenda. Cruelty is on the agenda. Because they know, look, they'll, they're going to pass bills and brag about the bills they passed that are going to be radical in nature, that have no chance of even getting through the Senate not to mention getting to the president's desk for a signature. We need to play for them the, I'm just a bill, yeah, I'm only a bill, that the schoolhouse rock to re-educate them on how a bill is made, that their role as legislators is to write and pass legislation for the express purpose of getting to the president's desk for signature. Instead, 
This is what we get. Very disheartening. The other thing that I want to talk about is actually some good news. And that is Donald Trump's accountability, the march for consequence for Donald Trump continues. There is news that the former publisher of the National Enquirer, I believe his name is David Pecker, is now speaking to the grand jury in Manhattan that has been impaneled surrounding the hush money payments made to Stormy Daniels. I'm going to read a little bit from this New York Times article entitled, Manhattan Prosecutors Begin Presenting Trump Case to Grand Jury. The Manhattan District Attorney's decision represents a dramatic escalation of the inquiry and potentially sets the case on a path forward toward criminal charges against the former president. This is what we need. We need fewer business uh, cases that result in $1.61 million fines for an ostensible, I mean, he claims to be a billionaire, even if he's not, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. A single $1.5 million fine isn't going to be much of a bump in the road for Donald Trump. It's certainly not going to dissuade him or deter him from his uh, criminal activity. But this might, when there's actual criminality and jail time on the line. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office on Monday began presenting evidence to a grand jury about Donald J. Trump's role in paying hush money to a porn star during his 2016 presidential campaign, laying the groundwork for potential criminal charges against the former president in the coming months, according to people with knowledge of the matter. The grand jury was recently impaneled, and the beginning of witness testimony represents a clear signal that the district attorney, Alvin L. Bragg, is nearing a decision about whether to charge Mr. Trump. On Monday, one of the witnesses was seen with his lawyer entering the building in Lower Manhattan, where the grand jury is sitting. The witness, David Pecker, is the former publisher of the National Enquirer, the tabloid that helped broker the deal with the porn star, Stormy Daniels. Now, if you remember this case, you will know that the, well, th there's, a, there's a term uh, called, uh, I believe it's catch and kill, where a journalist outlet like this will offer money to buy the rights to the story and then do nothing with it. But they, the, the person they work with, Stormy Daniels in this case, would sign an NDA, not allowing them to ever tell the story again, because the rights to that story were owned by the, by the newspaper. I'm using that very loosely here with the National Enquirer. And that seems to be something along the lines of what was dealt with here with Donald Trump and Michael Cohen, who, by the way, pled guilty, pleaded guilty to these charges. There was criminality here that has been proven. There have been convictions related to this, but just not Donald Trump. As prosecutors prepare to reconstruct the events surrounding the payment for grand jurors, they have sought to interview several witnesses, including the tabloid's former editor, Dylan Howard, and two employees at Mr. Trump's company, the people said. Mr. Howard and the Trump Organization employees, Jeffrey McConney and Deborah Tassaroff, have not yet testified before the grand jury. The prosecutors have also begun contacting officials from Mr. Trump's 2016 campaign, one of the people said, and in a sign that they want to corroborate these witness accounts, the prosecutors recently subpoenaed phone records and other documents that might shed light on the episode. A conviction is not a sure thing, in part because a case could hinge on showing that Mr. Trump and his company falsified records to hide the payout from voters days before the 2016 election. A low-level 
felony charge that would be based on largely untested legal theory. The case would also rely on the testimony of Michael D. Cohen, Mr. Trump's former fixer, who made the payment and who he himself pleaded guilty to federal charges related to the hush money in 2018. So listen, I don't understand the trepidation from the New York Times reporting here because we have a guilty. We have a conviction in the case related. Do you think Michael Cohen was making hush money payments for Donald Trump out of the goodness of his own heart, out of his own pocket? Come on. This is something to follow. Donald Trump is in dire need of legal consequence for his actions in dire need of consequence for his crimes, whether it be this, whether it be obstruction of justice, whether it be inciting an insurrection against the United States of America, but it has to start somewhere. And I'm glad that Alvin Bragg is back on the case after kind of shying away from the initial charges. I'm glad that this is before a grand jury. That is where it starts. And hopefully that's where we're going to get some traction. Once again, my name is Jesse Dollimore. You can subscribe to me on YouTube. Just search Jesse Dollimore or Dollimore Daily. You can also follow me on, Insta on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, all across the social media. Just search at Dollimore. And of course, you can subscribe to my podcast, my twice-weekly podcast, co-hosted by the lovely and talented Brittany Page. It's called I Doubt It. Are you tired of the same old off the shelf grocery store honey? Look no further than Manukora, our sponsor. The honey is made by bees that pollinate the native Manuka trees in the remote forests of New Zealand. It gives it a unique, dark, rich, delicious flavor that you won't find in any other honey. It is 100% raw. If you look at it side by side with regular boring honey, you can see the difference. I've got my honeys next to each other on the counter and it looks very different. Manukora is also responsible and sustainable. All Manukora honey is harvested using traditional methods so you can enjoy your creamy caramel honey, knowing that the production was easy on the bees and on the planet. It's a perfect natural sweetener. I've been adding it to my tea and my toast, but because of the amazing complex flavor, I find myself using it in things I didn't even put honey in before, like oatmeal and yogurt and smoothies. I have to admit, my girlfriend once caught me tasting Manuka honey right off the spoon because it's that good. It really stands out from everyday honey. So don't settle for the ordinary honey when you can enjoy the unique, delicious flavor of Manukora. Go to Manukora.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman for a free pack of honey sticks. Very nostalgic to when I was a kid with your order, a $15 value. Taste the difference for yourself. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash Pacman. Promo code Pacman gets you a free pack of honey sticks. The link is in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pacman show. I am Jesse Dollimore sitting in for David while he is away. <laughs> Look, some stories just bring me ah, a chef's kiss amount of joy is 
Is chef's kiss a measurement that I can use as how much joy I feel when I get to talk about Donald Trump Jr. and his podcast? <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. just started a podcast, I guess titled after his book uh, of the same name, Triggered. And in it, it is similar to the videos you may or may not see on Twitter where he gesticulates wildly. And look, not being one who, who lives in a glass house and wants to throw stones. You know, I'm somebody who gesticulates. I'm somebody who waves his hands around maybe more than I should. I certainly get taken to task on it, uh, about it on YouTube. But Donald Trump Jr. just has a fundamental dis misunderstanding about how air quotes work. In some of these videos, he just sits there and, and does air quotes for several seconds in a row with everything he says. A shared desire to keep quiet. Early on, Biden's attorneys and Justice Department investigators both thought they had a shared understanding about keeping the matter quiet, but they had very different reasons. I mean, seriously, they could be leveraging the fact that they have those secrets and that Joe was irresponsible with them to gain whatever advantage over the United States. Of course they had a desire to keep it quiet. But the fact that the media is quiet about it, the fact that if all the leftists don't say anything about it, that in and of itself is actually the story. Uh, it's just bizarre. And this is like maybe the third episode of his podcast. And this mashup, I believe, is from um, Ron Filipowski on Twitter. And it really, it says a lot about what conservatives tune into and where they get their information and what they find credible. This is a remarkable clip, this mashup, that is as all over the place as really anything that I've witnessed in recent memory. It, it, is, it, it is schizophrenic in nature, to, use, to colloquialize that term. Watch this nuttiness from the ex-president's son, Donald Trump Jr. Discredited, not actually, but the media always said discredited. I don't think they've been wrong on anything yet, frankly. But, you know, constantly said they're discredited. That's why the media does their things, because journalists actually refuse to actually be journalists. Like, God forbid they do a job. God forbid they don't just rubber stamp the Democrat talking points. It's that while the company wouldn't dare admit it publicly, they do mutate viruses. Branded conspiracy theorists. Well, like every conspiracy theorist, if you wait a couple of weeks, you'll be proven right. Who would possibly do that? What, what is this, like the 1980s? Like, are we still pretending that all of these people have our best intentions are? The highly educated and sophisticated media class that know better. Do that when elections, when everything's won by basis points, margins, a couple points here and there. You know, those people who aren't paying attention that much, they just, you know what, if I can get that guy even wondering, maybe he just doesn't even show up. A big part of, I think, why we're in Ukraine, I've read some really interesting threads about, like, sort of the, the labs that are over there. I'm not going to talk about them. i got to research it a little bit more. But, like, look at why else we may be in Ukraine and why maybe it's okay if we let other people kind of mutate viruses. And when the Russians do it, it's bioengineering. And when we do it, it's checking to make sure we're preventing pandemic. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. He's feeling really unsafe right now. Really? And he was sort of like, well, you know, we do this, but... Not really that much. I mean, what's a couple of mutations, right? I mean, folks, it takes one. <laughs> uh, doing his own research, Donald Trump Jr. there. 
talking about how every conspiracy theory, if you wait a couple weeks, it ends up being true. Listen, this is hilarious, and this is funny, and it's mockable because he's a moron, but it is troubling because of the fact that there's a wide swath of the country who looks at this individual, this troubled goon, and thinks he's credible, and thinks he's smart, and thinks he has it together, and thinks he has access to information that they don't because he's the son of the ex-guy. We're in trouble. I'd love to know what you think about this. Uh, I know David has a, a phone number. You can mix it up in the comments on YouTube. This is something that I would love to get your take on. Once again, I am Jesse Dollimore. I host I Doubt It podcast on everywhere that podcasts are. I host the Dollimore Daily on YouTube, and you can catch me on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at Dollimore.